say that my bad experiences, my bad uh, reactions to uh, social media helped you. But I think that's oh, totally. probably even no. okay because at forty one. Because when I was forty one, yeah, I didn't handle uh, I didn't handle being attacked online uh, nearly as adult or as. Uh, of course, no, you did not. And yeah, I, no, I no, not learned, at all. I watched not what happened all. to you, and well, I yeah, said, "Oh, right. I don't want to do that." And again, I don't really give a shit because she wasn't that funny. Is it satire? Good satire is when you can't tell the difference. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. Don and David get a little saucy, so be forewarned, your sensitivity is not their problem. The Literate Apecast is for people who can handle both their liquor and their gag reflex. Boy, what a week! Yeah, what's what you've you've been uh, you've had you've had what I would I mean after sending me the new what the fuck is it called Clubhouse drop in audio chat social networking after all of the bullshit that we have you know, and then what I think is funny is after and I've spent the last year or so sans social media entirely yeah and now. You know, the literate ape Twitter, you know, is I'm getting a little more engaged with that because it's not me. And I just started a literate apestagram. Wait, so wait, literate ape is still on Twitter and you're still spending time with it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I kept the reason I kept literate apes Twitter was because when I was at the casino, the only reason I got any kind of like inside Vegas, like skinny, any kind okay, of rumors yeah was through a lot of the Vegas uh, Twitter accounts. You yeah. know, that was kind of how I was getting the information. It's like, oh, we're reclosing. What are the guidelines going to be? You know, that kind of stuff. So I kept it open. And, you know, quite frankly, we, you know, that's a Twitter example. It's like we can we can post our articles and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, lately, lately <laughs> I've been getting more involved in it. And, uh, you know, you know but then, then part of it is because it's not me. I mean, it is me, but it's yeah. not me. And then, uh, and then the other day, I decided to, uh, you know, maybe a littered ape could have an Instagram because I've got hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of photos of us doing bug house, doing yeah. identity flip, the sickest fucking story. It's got all these photos God. of. I right? love getting like, uh, like Facebook memories from yeah. when we were doing identity flip, and it's like yeah. that was four years ago. Exactly. And so we've been like, doing you know this what? a long time, and one of these days we're gonna. We're gonna have our big break. You know, we're Woody just Allen this, is gonna find us, and it's he's the gonna. Seth, it's the Seth Godin. <laughs> it's the Seth Godin perspective. Is you know, <laughs> don't worry about people picking you. Just yeah. put out the content, and uh, that's what that's what we do. No, but anyway, so I've I've, I've look, while man, I'm I not spent, getting as involved of, in, I spent all of my junior high and high school years trying to get people to pick me and worrying about people picking me. And all it did was keep me a virgin until I was twenty. So there I don't need people to pick me anymore. Yeah, it's yeah, fine. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own thing. But that, that one of the things I think is interesting is that just about the time when Literate Ape is starting to, you know, I've been playing around with the website a little bit, and it's just, I've just been kind of doing that because now I work from home, so I have time to do some of that. You're kind of bored. Stuff. 
No, it's not that I'm bored. It's that, that, that oh, I can, I can focus on, I mean, I'm, I've already got a template for how I want to do bug house once uh, mm-hmm. Vegas opens up a little bit. You yeah. know, it's going to be a little bit different than, uh, the, the format will pr- pretty much the same, but the, 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 the production of it will be a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I'm working on that. But you this week, all Boy. of a sudden, um, kind of got embroiled in your own social media <laughs> drama. So here's here's the thing. So back in 2008, maybe 2009, when Twitter first started, yeah, I remember going to my girlfriend at the time said uh, she heard about this like this Twitter meetup for journalists, and she's like, "You should go to this thing." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." What's Twitter? She's like, I don't know, but it's a bunch of journalists getting together at this bar. You should go and meet people and network. And I'm like, yep, great idea. Thanks. So we go, and everyone's asking me, what's your Twitter handle? What's your handle? And I'm like, I, I don't have one. I don't I know don't what know Twitter what you're is. talking about, yeah. What is this thing? And I asked that question, what is Twitter? How does it work? What is this thing? Several times, several different ways to several different people. The answer that I kept getting was, well... You follow someone you're interested in. Okay, then what? Well, then you follow them. Follow them where? Like to the store? No, like online. Now, remember, this is 2008, 2009. So, yeah, like, yeah. following Nobody wasn't, be, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't understand the concept. This was of, before. This was before there was even uh, like the really good iPhones. I was right? just going to say, like the iPhone was yeah. still brand new out of the box. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is mostly uh, so, uh, like online. Uh, I'm online, trying to wrap desktop. my head around what, why you would follow somebody in this virtual space, this online space, and I left that night not having met any, made any real genuine connections that would help my my journalist career. Um, but I went home and I opened up a Twitter account and then I just kind of left it like I because I didn't get it because I'd spent my whole life being taught. Don't be a follower, David. Yeah. Be a leader. Be a leader. So the idea just like that idea of following people was like it was just antithetical to me. It didn't make yeah. it was like contrary to everything See, that I had been I, taught. When I got into social media in 2008, 2009, it, that was not how it was positioned to me. And this is so funny. <laughs> it's so funny that that was your reaction because that's what people told you. You could follow other people. <laughs> I was told people could follow me. That was yeah. really why I so it was like, oh well, yeah, I want people to follow me. I'm not going to follow them, but they can, yeah, far out. And well, so, and maybe somebody had said that to me, you know, well, they can follow you too. And my, I'm sure my response was, follow me doing what? Oh, you know, see, and and this is where we got like all the yeah. the food porn, and I'm a foodie, and look yeah. at my like, who gives a fucking shit? So, I still don't so, give a shit. It, so, anyway, so you had uh, you had okay. So we we've established <laughs> you've had a, a Twitter account since that point. In fact, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny that you ju- because of your thing, you just started following the literate ape Twitter. <laughs> I didn't even know we had a literate. You didn't ape even Twitter. you didn't even we had it, even though we post every every day, every day every we day. post on it. But okay, go ahead. So. You know, so I, I would go to Twitter every now and again just to like see, and I would go, I, "Why am I doing this? This is this is dumb. I don't, I don't care." And it got more and more confusing on like following threads and people and how to direct message people. And I just didn't have the energy or the care to figure that out. So like, the the further I got away from it, the further I got away from it. You know, or sure. the, the the way the, the interest in giving a shit 
went down and down and down and down. And yeah, down. yeah. Well, I was saying I I didn't use I didn't use Twitter at all. I mean, I I had it. I had Twitter. Littered Ape had Twitter for years, yeah. right? And I never fucking used it because every time I got on there, I was like, Jesus Christ, this is like stand. This is like standing in a store, like in a grocery store, and everybody's talking at the same time, and I haven't got time to focus on anything. So that's the other thing is like Facebook. it all happens so fast. Like you can't then I got rid of it. Facebook, and 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 while I was here before the pandemic, that was when I realized, oh, I can get all this cool, like inside information. Because these there's a couple of like Vegas centric mm-hmm. Twitter accounts that 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 they're that's where they I mean they tweet a lot and yeah. it's all sort of rumors. And I went oh, so this is a good source of information. I just have to make sure I'm only following and listening to these people rather than just having Twitter getting sucked open into the vortex, the fucking of, yeah. floodgates of yeah. goddamn Twitter. Yeah, so well, and that's what it is. I think that that Twitter is the it's the the. The, the meeting place or the breeding ground of Snollygosters. A big who? Snollygoster. What uh, the fuck is a Snollygoster? Like a, a... Did you make that up? No, it's a word. Um, like a clever... Per- the per- person who has like no scruples. They're just, they just think they're clever and they just like dump their clever bullshit but they have nothing to back them up or they don't have any uh, So pretty much everybody to- online right now. More or less, yeah. But I think okay, Twitter right. is the worst of it. And I know that oh, good yeah. things are like if you there it's are people that use Twitter, man. fine. It's a if cesspool. I, maybe if I had remained a hard journalist, maybe that I would use Twitter differently. You know, because like that's news happens fast or whatever. But here's the other thing: because of Twitter, they blew the surprise on the Bin Laden raid. You know, because some guy was like, "Hey, there's helicopters did above they my really? house." Yes, I, d- I did not know that. That's hysterical. <laughs> no. Like he announced that before they dropped down to into the compound, like there were helicopters no flying idea. overhead to go and get Bin Laden. Yeah. So anyway, lately though, I have been jumping on Twitter just okay. to check and see, like, what is Donald? This is before Trump got kicked off Twitter. Yeah. But like, what is that fucking idiot saying right now? Or I, I would just go, like go to the search bar and type in Donald, you know, Donald Trump. Or I would type in Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has been my favorite thing to just check and see what that moron is saying on Twitter because I love how he and AOC fight oh, with just, each other. Oh, they're just playing their game, yeah. And so, what was it on Thursday? I guess um, maybe it was Friday. I don't know. Um, it was the day that that. I just know that cruise. you you just randomly sent me this. <laughs> this is this is uh, it was like you were so pissed off. Let me find it. Oh my god! Well, you were I wasn't so pissed. pissed. I was I was just like, what the? Well, you didn't I was get annoyed. pissed until later. Yeah, you didn't get. pissed I was pissed later. about what I got pissed about was something else entirely, which we'll get to. Hold on, it's like uh, look. Whoops! Holy <laughs> shit! Sorry, Twitter. Oh, I had my first Twitter attack. Uh, f- I'm further convinced Twitter is humanity's toilet. There you go. And, and, and then, yeah. and so you were going to explain to us. So I went on, and that was how you found it. It's like, oh, we, I haven't even been following your Twitter. <laughs> the literate ape Twitter has not even followed one of the co-editors. So I went and followed you so I could see what the hell it is. And then I read it, and I went, oh, you dumbass. Well, so here's the thing. Here's what happened. Is, um, <laughs> Blair Erskine is a comedian. Yeah, she posted um, from the direct like director of communications for Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, and she posted this video saying, "Y'all, 
y'all don't like Ted Cruz, y'all want him to leave, and then when he does leave, y'all get mad at him for leaving? Like, wake up, America, like this stupid thing. And I, because I don't know who Blair Erskine is, I don't... No one does. I don't There's seven I don't know people who, that fucking know who Blair Erskine is. I don't know how to read Twitter quickly. I was taking a shit when all of this happens. I'm just like, hey, let's see what's going on with Ted Cruz and his stupid Cancun thing. So I jump on and I see this post and I'm like, oh my God, his fucking communications department sent out this video. Of course they did because they're Ted Cruz. Well, I mean, the thing is, we've kind of hit a point where the, where the Republican, well, I, I would argue that there are people on the, on the, on the, the, the progressive side that are just as ridiculous, but things are so ridiculous that we're getting to a point where you just can't even like somebody going online and making fun of right. Where's the uh, satire? I mean, it's like the onion no longer is funny because it could be true. It's the same as the front page of the New York Times. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right. And so, and so, I understand why that might be confusing if you saw it because it, so it's I perfectly just, plausible. I she would this be thing, really, yeah. And I responded, "You can't discern the difference between taking a vacation and fleeing a state in need." Bless your heart. Which. If that had actually been Ted Cruz's communication department, great. That's taking a burn at Ted Cruz. It's not exceptionally funny. It's not exceptionally clever. It's just my, I just quickly, I was taking a shit. And yeah. I, you know, I had to get back to a meeting, so I had to hurry up, whatever. There you go. Well, <laughs> later in the day, I jumped on. I'm like, let's see what Ted Cruz is up to now. And holy shit, my notifications has never blown up like this. I had like, 30 notifications, and I'm like, what? Why? So I look at them, and people just came Dude, at me. 30 notifications on Twitter, is that's such a pathetically low number. It's not for me, though. And that was just when I first looked at it. I don't know All what right, it, like, total, I don't know what it totals now. Yeah. I don't really care. Because that's people... how many people know who Blair Erskine is. There's <laughs> 30 fucking people. Just, like... And people were coming at me like, you don't know, you can't discern the difference between satire and real life, and she's a comedian. And like coming at me, like, how dumb am I? And then people were attacking my um, my bio, which says writer of comedy. And they're like, you're a writer of comedy? Uh, you don't know. Yeah. And some guy and wrote, you, doesn't say you good go comedy. Into, yeah, you go to, <laughs> this is what I think was so funny, is instead of fighting back or saying, ah, oh, fuck you guys, or whatever, which is yeah. the sort of Twitter speak now, is like, you fucking, geez, I, I'm going to go great, go get raped and hang yourself, because yeah, that's pretty right. much standard right, right, Twitter right. now. You're just like, yeah, but I'm not a good writer. You just right. you go, you go into <laughs> full self-deprecation. I just leaned into it. Because look, yeah. here's the thing. I fucked up. I misread a, a comedian making it she's not from the department of ted cruz's communications she's not from she's see, not from his office see, my my reaction would have been oh she's a comedian so when did she do something funny i mean i don't know i did i would have yeah i would have gone right back into attack mode you go right back into yep i'm sorry stop throwing rocks at me i suck well, I mean, it was what exactly I did what was because I'm not going to engage the Twitterverse because yeah, I'm yeah. smarter than that. I have other shit to do, including finishing taking my shit. Like I don't care. Which so is I was fair. Like, oh, which look. is fair. All right, everybody, calm down. I didn't realize it was satire. Sorry about that. Lesson learned. I'll go back to my cave of shame. And <laughs> some people were like, "At least you could admit you were wrong." I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's called humility and this, yeah. and adulthood, and it's something that Twitter is exceptional at." Say you know, that's and I'm the glad satire that I threw at them. 41 now. I would like to say that my bad experiences, my bad uh, reactions to uh, social media helped you, 
But I think that's oh, totally. probably even no. if, okay because at forty one. Because when I was forty one, yeah, I didn't handle uh, I didn't handle being attacked online uh, nearly as adult or as. Uh, of course, no, you did not. And I, no, I no, not learned, at all. I watched not what happened all. to you, and yeah, I yeah. said, "Oh, right. I don't want to do that." And again, I don't really give a shit because she wasn't that funny. Is it satire? Good satire is when you can't tell the difference whether it's a yeah. joke or not. So well, yay for her. Yeah, so she nailed it. Yeah. I, I didn't watch the video, so I didn't know. But it was like just how quickly people are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And here's the other thing is that I wasn't even att- I, I wasn't attacking the comedian. If anything, I was like on the side taking the piss out of Ted Cruz even more. It's exactly what you were doing, yeah. But people don't see the nuance or I, just it was just so funny, like... And, and this is exactly why I don't follow you fucking clowns on Twitter. I'm not yeah. gonna. I'm not gonna delete my account because that's a puss move. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna. Keep hey, doing I deleted what I do. my Facebook account. That's not, it wasn't a puss move. That was the best well, goddamn thing I ever did. I mean, yeah, there are like but five I'm saying things deleting my, my account. Life. Like David Himmel doesn't understand satire. Oh. He's not a funny writer. Hey, he's literate ape. They don't know how to. What did, what did some guy say? Like. You're editor of a co-editor of a literary magazine, but you don't, but you can't recognize satire. How's that working out for you? And I responded, "Not well. No one reads it, including me." There you go. That, <laughs> like, yes, fuck exactly. Off, everybody, full leave me self, alone. You know, full on self-deprecation. Well, that's one of the things I realized. When it's the only reason I'm engaging, uh, and, and there is something. Uh, that's when I, you know, because I I really don't have a whole lot of use for social media, and I don't want to spend a lot of my time doing it but in terms of nobody reading it it's like okay so how do we you know i've just been thinking lately how do we get more people to read what we've got up there well, social media and, yeah and well <laughs> and so well it's a fucking it's a it's an online magazine so yeah, yeah that's that's kind of yeah. how we do it so what you know what i one of the things i've been doing like a perfect example is uh today today uh they there was the rumor here's the rumor the rumor is that hamilton's going to take residency here at the win lame um in in las vegas and you know so there was this so vital vegas put that up there and then there was a whole bunch of people saying oh i hated it oh i loved it what are you mm-hmm. talking about blah 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 and i went oh wait a minute like forever ago, I wrote a I like to watch about Hamilton. So I quoted my Hamilton quote that it was like Schoolhouse Rock Live as done by the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. And then I linked that article to right. Letter Ape. Sure enough, uh, since I did that, like nine people read that article or at yeah. least click click through to that article. And it's like, oh, okay, so I can this is this is a way to without me like personally engaging Twitter yeah. or involving myself in it, this is a way for me to keep promoting my stuff. So now I'm I'm trying to keep track of what all the shit because we've we've got so much writing on this goddamn website. Yeah. That it was like, all right, so I have to keep track. If there, if anybody mentions anything that might be relevant and I find if somebody mentions Joe Giffy ever, ever, if I ever see Joe Giffy trend, boom, I'm going right to your goddamn piece and I'm res- gonna link res- it. Respect the dead. His name is Joe Diffie. Whatever his fucking name. See, that tells you how... See, you know, this. so this is what you should be doing on Twitter, because I don't fucking Respect know. Respect his name. Why do you hate the dead? Why do you hate white men? Ugh. Can't pronounce his name right. That would be you know, Twitter. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's that's. And then somebody would come out and say, it's about time white men got their names mispronounced. You know, Jesus Christ. Right? People. I don't know. Yeah, whatever, whatever. And then, so you had your Twitter moment, and then... <laughs> and then what I got upset about... 
They, well, then the next day, the next day, this kills me. <laughs> this is the so next stupid. Day, um, so I, remarkably we get a, stupid. I get, we get a we get an email from Vince Truman. Vince Truman says that there's this. He, he's just. It, it's a total. It has nothing to Unrelated, do with this. Unrelated. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just had a throwaway line that there was a civil war going on in the Chicago Storytellers <laughs> Facebook page. Now I haven't been on Facebook at least for a year, maybe longer. So I don't fucking care. I mean, it's like. Psh- Totally good. Those, all those people, go fuck them. I don't give a shit, right? Yeah. yeah. But so I go to you because Vince is it. I said, what's what, what, what's he talking about? This Chicago story. Give me some gossip, right? Yeah. So then you you start researching it. And then the funniest thing is it's all the same bullshit, but you get really pissed. And I, and I, ordinarily, I would be, you know, at my 41, I would be motherfuckers. And I don't like, and apparently I'm still like I'm still like the Thanos of the the fucking storytelling community for some of those people because they're still mentioning me, man. It's like I've been a part of that for four years. What are you talking about? I live in Las Vegas, motherfuckers. What? And you got really upset about it to the point that not only were you texting, you got tired of texting fast and started sending me audio texts. <laughs> That's how upset you got. So tell me about that. Well, so apparently. <laughs> there was something in the Chicago Storytellers community Facebook page where, and I, I'm, I'm a member of the page or whatever the fuck it is. I follow the, whatever, but I don't keep track of it. Like I don't pay that much attention because I don't care, care enough. And I don't mean yeah. that in a, it's not an, a diss against any of the members of the storytelling community in Chicago, I just... Oh, I don't care, and it's a diss, but that's okay, fine. Yeah. yeah, but I... <laughs> I like, I just... Eh, whatever. It, it's there. It's... Okay, cool. Stuff's gonna... Fine, whatever. I'm gonna move on. Um, so... <laughs> how do I even begin to explain this? It's like trying to decipher the bickerings of 12-year-old children at school lunch. Like... Somebody was posing as the administrator okay. <laughs> of of the page. And well you were, and the thing is you you were so funny because you when when you're talking to me, when you it's because you you got so upset about it, you called me and you're talking about and what I was hearing was Jenny Karani. Yeah. And it's Jimmy Karane. Okay. Now if you'd and so I didn't know it, and you were like, Do you know a Jimmy a Jenny Karani? I was no, I've never heard that name. It's Jimmy Corain. I've known Jimmy Corain since Live Bait. Okay. I mean, you know, he used to, he did a show with uh, Jeff Garland. Um, you know, he's been around for a really long time. I love Jimmy Corain. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's an old, he's an old cranky Jew, but I love him. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, he's been one of my favorite performers and teachers in Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know this. Uh, but yeah, so there was Jimmy Corain, and then you were like, do you know Alvin Lau? And my story with Alvin Lau is, well, first of all, I know that Alvin Lau is sort of a, a class A cunt, pants down. <laughs> the, the guy, that's, he is, he is. He's just a fucking bitchy, whiny cunt. Um, and the only, my only interaction with him on a personal level was that the first time I ever did the moth... <laughs> Um, I came in second place with my first story. He beat me with a brain cancer story. And, and he was fine. But he is, if there's anybody that's Johnny one night, it's all white supremacy. Mm. It's fucking Alvin Lau. And he's not even really a part of that because he's Asian. And Asian, we all know, is white adjacent. My Asian brother-in-law told me a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about racism and yeah. 
he's like, look, man, nobody cares about Asians. Like, yeah, whatever, but we're not like really people of color. We don't, we're not part of this whole thing. That's his take on it, and that's fine, whatever. Hey, a representative, a representative, uh, this I saw on Twitter, a representative, uh, a United States representative on a, on a Zoom call basically said that Asian Americans are not people of color. I mean, said it right out loud. Yeah. I mean, look, like there that's is the game they're playing. There is 100% racism aimed at Asians, at Asian oh, Americans. Yeah. So, yes, that shit exists. I saw on Alvin's. Facebook pages. I was scrolling through this yesterday, um, like just trying, like, wh- who is this guy? Why is he upset? His <laughs> his kitchen sink light has been blinking when he gets close to it, um, and he was blaming. He blamed racism. He's like, first racism, now poltergeists, and I don't know if he's joking. Like, does he really think that? His no, he's not joking. Like I, like I said, he's 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 an asshat. This and guy, even if I mean, he is joking. There's Why no is that the that, time to bring in racism? What here, poltergeist is funny thing. enough? No one. He's like Ricardo Gamboa, where no one really likes him, but they're afraid to be mean to him or disagree with him because he's so strident and, wow. and uses social media in such a strident way. It's well, I mean, it's like Lily B. Nobody wants no it for a long time. I don't know about it now because I don't give a shit. But you know, at the time, nobody wanted to combat or say anything against Lily B because she would use social media as this this weapon. Well, yeah. Alvin Lau, that he's been doing that since there was social media. I mean, yeah. I think the very first tweet was Alvin Lau saying, Twitter sounds racist. You know, whatever. Yeah. And I, I don't know him. I don't know Lily B. I've never met them that I can remember. So I can't, I will not say anything. Yeah, yeah. Neg- you know, but I, I'll say it. Here's I don't what give I'm a shit. I live in Las Vegas. That's, the storytelling community, because there were people texting you or or texting you screenshots about it or whatever, like bringing you back into this. Like you think that, like, why does anybody think that you care? And Alvin Lau, in his rant about how white the storytelling community is, mentioned you. Like, Which why? I haven't been a part of the fucking storytelling community. I mean, I'm definitely white, but... What, you know. why, what does Don Hall in 2021 Chicago storytelling have to do with anything? You left Chicago two years ago. You yeah. left the moth four or five years ago. Like, what the... F- That's why you say you're the Thanos of the story. I, see, I, think, I don't think you're yeah, the Thanos. Yeah, because I think they you're still the talk tree. about it. I think you're the giving tree. Because I think that they gave, you gave them a stage. You gave them opportunity. You gave them coaching. And they took from you and took from you and took from you. But you're the giving tree with an alternate ending. Is that when... They were done with you. They didn't sit on your stump and say, hey, thanks for everything, or just let's be comfortable. They took you, and they shoved you into a wood chipper, and then they went dancing in your your the bloody gush of your mulch. You know, nice. that was... That's, okay. But here's the thing about the storytelling community, and this is really what drove a lot of the inspiration behind uh, Enter the Mollusk, the film that, that Vince oh, yeah. and I did last summer. Or, Very funny. Uh, yeah. Last year. Last year. I have never met artists, quote unquote, artists who are more self-important and sure of themselves while also being the most fragile and self-doubting, more self-doubting than I am. Like their, their bravado is the same as Trump's. It's the exact same as Trump's. It's an attempt to disguise or hide their sense of value, va- valuelessness in the world. And this is, it's not all of them, of course, but like, no. but it's many. And it's not just the, the POC. It's not just the, the people of color, but Plenty of self-important white nobodies are out there, too. And it's like they just, they whine more than my three-year-old son. Oh, and they whine more than my dog. 
Not really um, more than your dog, but okay. Like here, here's the other thing is that like they complain about not getting, you know, it's too white. They can't perform. They don't get invited onto stages. This And that's, it, if it's an honest complaint, yeah, man, that's not cool. Like I think that there should be fair representation of all people, but that fair representation includes talent. So if you're a black, Asian, gay, Jewish, transsexual, um, you check all the boxes, but you fucking suck at telling stories, <laughs> you're not yeah. going to get booked, right? Or at least you shouldn't. So, But here's the thing. Musicians or painters, they can do their, their craft just about anywhere. They well, can storytellers bust. can too. Well, but they, musicians and artists, they can bust, they can do graffiti, they can go to open mics. With storytelling, they seem to be... Storytellers can do all those things. But they seem to be unable to perform anywhere except in these curated shows, and here's why. Because you can't just go to an open mic. You can't just go out on the... If you, if you went down to the red line and state, you know, state the state stopped on the red line and started telling your story about your uncle having you throw... or your grandpa having you throw rocks and catch them on your head or whatever... People would think you're a fucking lunatic. They wouldn't stop and go, wow, here's here's an interesting guy. I'm going to give right, you some no. money. And here's white why. Because talking that. about yourself no, white isn't did fucking that. art. Whitehair did that. He built a, 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 a mobile stage that he could bike around and he would bike to like parks and street corners and set up his little stage with his microphone and his little PA system and invite people to come tell stories. He did that all the time. You totally can do that. Then why don't they do that instead of bitching about not getting booked? Because it requires effort. And to be perfectly honest with you, when they are at a curated show, people have to sit and listen to their bullshit. And when they are in the public, people don't have to listen to it. And that goes to my point. Like, you're just complaining about people not listening. Listen to me. Listen to me. Am I a storyteller? Oh, fuck off. I'm as much a storyteller as anybody else who can fucking talk. Okay, let's be You've done fucking storyteller. serious. You've I've done, done storytelling shows. I've done it. I will do it again. I have loved everyone I've ever worked with. I appreciate everyone I've ever met in the in the scene. I don't have a bad thing to say about anybody that I've met, really. Um, but I, again, there are people that tell good stories. And people, Katie, my wife, is a terrible storyteller. She tells stories. They meander. She leaves out details. It's like it. She's not good. You, I think, are a good storyteller. You have a beginning, middle, and end. You have the right details in there. And I don't know if that comes... Can it come from practice and coaching and taking classes? Sure. Okay. But let's not give too much credit where credit isn't exactly due. We're just talking to each other. And storytelling, you're just talking at people. Well, yeah. It's... There's no dialogue. I, I I just feel like... It's this this warped sense of self-importance and this warped sense of important artistry. And I don't think that storytelling is art. Put some music to it, put some some rhyme to it, put some poetry to it. Okay. I think it's art, but uh yeah, of course I'm going to think it's art, but, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of playing devil's advocate against myself here cuz I mean, anything can be art, and I do believe that. But I just feel like this this particular community sometimes takes itself way too seriously about oh, yeah. its art, and oh, therein lies the problem. If you just if you take yourself too seriously, even painters, you know, the snooty painter, go fuck yourself. Just take your shit into your stupid big loft with your 
you're, I'm painting my body on, on my drapes and I call it man's manifestation of fury. Fuck off. Like, did you make art? Cool. Is it good? Great. Is it making a statement? Yeah, that's cool too. Are you, can you stop bitching about everything else? Maybe just fucking paint about it. Maybe get a fucking stage well, and pull a white hair and go down and, to the red and, line and stay. And I'll and I'll pull. Let me pull it one step away from this specifically the storytelling community and and go to sort of uh, the state of activism in our country. Ism mm-hmm. is is that that it's really easy to bitch mm-hmm. about stuff. I mean, it's the easiest. If there's anything Twitter and social media in general has has exemplified is that. It's super easy to tear things apart and bitch. And it's actually more complicated to actually give people something to look forward to, give people some ideas. I mean, the reason um, Obama was so successful when, I mean, you know, arguably, but in campaigning was because he was he was point he was giving people something to vote for. Right. The problem we have right now is that there's no more Trump, which means that there's nothing for them to vote against on the Democratic side. So now they're tearing each other apart because but we didn't tear each on, other apart. Well, yeah, because we don't Trump really focus too. on something. So and so what I would say in in terms of the storytelling community specifically, but in a larger sense, anybody can sit and piss and moan about white supremacy, but unless you're planning on doing something about it, and like actually doing something about it other than just saying, hey, you shitty white people, which I got to tell you is really not going to work. Right. Thanks. But it's really, really not. I wrote a, I wrote an essay uh, that's coming out next week sometime. But one of the things I realized was, and I didn't realize it until while I, I was writing it, but one of the things I brought up was uh, Randall Terry um, with Operation Rescue, the anti-abortion, sort of the original anti-abortion group. And one of the things about Randall Terry was that they wouldn't have him on TV after a while because right. his his M.O. was to scream his opponents down. Like, no matter what they said, he'd just scream at them. And it was either that if he just kept screaming, they'd shut up right. or whatever. So they stopped putting him on TV. And one of the things that I realized, because I was in, in the 80s in Wichita, Kansas, which was sort of like the home base of Operation Rescue, I realized that I, at the time I was an anti-abortionist. I was pro-life. But after the summer of Operation Rescue, I decided that I was going to be pro-choice. And it wasn't because of some, you know, epiphany about women's reproductive rights. It was because I didn't like those fucking people. Right. So I didn't want to, if those were the people that were mm-hmm. anti-abortion, I didn't want to be associated with it. So I became pro-choice mainly because I didn't like Randall Terry. Yeah. Well, we're living we're living in a world where we just got a whole new version of Randall Terry and what he's doing is what they're doing is screaming about white supremacy right now. So it's like it's like it's going to backfire if you don't find something positive and productive to do about it. Right. There's and on my the, boy. On the topic of pro choice. Yeah, you had the baby. Harry, say hi. Can you say I want to be a storyteller? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it's it really is like again, the representation fairness is extremely important. I am all for that. I'm not saying quit your bitching and find your own stage. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is what annoys me about it is that 
Everything that surrounds so many in the community, it's just, it's this me, 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 me. They're very much like the three-year-old that I live with. It's all about them. It is completely self-centered. The self-importance is grossly bleeding over. It's like in Ghostbusters 2 when there's the ooze living underneath New York City. Underneath the Chicago storytelling community is this ooze of self-importance and it's vile. And it's, that's the problem I have with it. It's just that they're, and all of your stories are about you. And look, I'm guilty of it. I participate in it. Listen to me, talk about me. And everybody sounds the same. Like they all, when I was a boy growing up in the South suburbs of Chicago, I had a dad and, um, and we got along until like there's all it all has the same tone and the same beginning and you can tell when it, when the authenticity goes out the window. Hi everybody, I'm David Himmel and I'm going to tell you guys a story. In 1990, I was being shipped off to summer camp, or I could do it like this, which is more authentic. Hey, it's me, David Himmel. So uh, in 1990, when I was going to summer camp, my penis fell off and that was really awkward. What? <laughs> Uh, darn right nothing. You see, like, this is what bothers me, and I'm totally keyed up right now. <laughs> I am keyed up, I'm, and your child is wreaking <laughs> havoc in your office. <laughs> I'm kind of going off the rails here. But I, I can't. You know what I'm, I'm going to get you for your, when's your birthday again? When's May, your birthday again? My, my mother gave birth to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> late at night on a Saturday, May 26, <laughs> 1979. There was... Jimmy Carter was president. The oil crisis was happening. I was the first child for my parents. They didn't know what to do. They were first-time parents. They didn't know what to do. But my mom gave birth to me, and eventually they brought me home. And and then you and then and then you had to escape Guatemala, and and you ran through no stuff to no. get onto the other side of the border. I oh, faced, I've heard that story. I faced I've no hardships. I faced no hardships. Oh, there you go. My life was a breeze. It's I mean, true. I broke my fun. arm. I had a little anyway, cancer. May 26th, I'm going to get you a padlock for that fucking door. Because <laughs> how do you do anything in your office where you can't lock your door? Uh, that I had, or a I had, bat for your child just to smack him. I had rented and, an apartment in 2013. And at the time, <laughs> all of the doors, they latched perfectly fine. But as time went on and the house, the apartment building settled, the door is no longer latched, and I was faced with a door that wouldn't ever fucking close. All right, Simeon cohort, here's Don and David with the six things you should do for the week. My first thing is a read. It's called, it's in the magazine, I'm never sure how to pronounce this magazine, J- Jacobin? Jacobin? Jacobin. Jacobin? I don't know. Okay. J-A-C-O-B-I-N. It's the Socialist it's Magazine. It's the Socialist Magazine. Yeah. Uh, interesting story. Um, it's actually a really well-written magazine. And, oh, yeah, um, they're not stupid. It's, it, they're not stupid. Um, they're zealots, but they're not stupid. Most this, zealots aren't stupid. This isn't your parents' socialism, where, meaning your, your racist parents, your right-wing parents' socialism. This is like sensible socialism. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the so story, I don't think it's any more sensible than their socialism, but okay. Um, their, their story is ending poverty in the United States would actually be pretty easy. Uh, it's an interview with the authors of the book Broke in America, Seeing, and Understand- Seeing, Understanding, and Ending U.S. Poverty. Interesting read, and then I would recommend go read their book. Yeah, no, no, that, I think that's good. Yeah, I get some stuff. Um, my first is a watch. Um, 
I want you to watch. This is an AMC documentary. And I know they did the, documentaries. They do, apparently, and it's called The Seven Five. Okay. And it is uh, apparently in New York. It, it it is it is the most like okay. Let's look how corrupt cops can get. Ooh. And it's about this group of dudes headed up by one guy, um, and they actually have like video footage of him. He before they put him in prison, he agreed to go in front of this council, um, this this uh, congressional hearing. And so they've got the congressional hearing. Then they've got him now. He's out of prison now, and he's talking about it. And the dude that turned him in is talking about it. And and you see all this video footage, and they were the most fucking corrupt drug dealers killing people. The cops were. These were yeah. cops yeah. that were just like... And, and it's one of the things that... I mean, first of all, it's really fascinating. It's super interesting and very well done. But the second thing that it really occurred to me that I thought was pretty interesting is... At one point, one of the congresswomen looks at him, or the councilwoman, whatever, looks at him and says, so everybody knew you were doing this. Why did no one turn you in? Which is the big question that we're asking right. about the cops today, right? Yep. And I think what he said at the time is probably every bit as valid as it is today, is that when you have to rely on your life for other people... You have there has to be this code of of inviability that that yeah. I'm gonna have your back no matter what, and that's the code of silence. Is yep. that literally if you're gonna go out on the street with a gun with the potential that somebody's gonna have a gun on you, you gotta have somebody that's got your back. If they don't have your back, so and it, yeah. which I think is a really fascinating. I don't know how to solve that problem, but I, that's the problem we have to solve. It's not bigotry. It's not white supremacy in the policing. It's not that they. It is how do you break, or not even break. How do you adjust that perception? And I think that's a really interesting uh, dilemma. But I, I highly recommend beyond that. Just the seven five AMC. It's really good. Yeah. Well, and that's it's similar to war. Like when you go to war, you might start you know for your country and to stop the bad guys from taking our freedom or whatever but it very quickly and this is spoken as somebody who has never been to war never enlisted never got drafted um but i've read and i've listened i've listened to people's stories um that it becomes more about your buddies the people that are in the trenches with you like you're there to save them and help them and they're there to help and save you so yeah same yeah thing. yeah uh my next thing do you remember an actress named Shelley Duvall? I do. Woody Allen famously ate her out in Annie Hall. <laughs> yes. And then she disappeared from the silver screen. No. Um, she, well, she played she Shelley played Duvall. Olive Oil in, in Robert right. Altman's Popeye. She was also in Robert Altman. She did a bunch she, of Robert Altman. She was Altman Robert Altman's like a, muse. Yeah, yeah. Like it, yeah. It, and then and then like her biggest the biggest thing was The Shining. The Shining, right? And then she ended up. Didn't she do like children's television? She did children's television for a while, yeah. For a while there, and then she kind of dropped off the face of the earth. So, and then Dr. Phil put her on as an insane, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's Shelly. I stumbled, so I loved Shelly Duvall, and like, yeah, she, I never saw the Dr. Phil thing, but kind of forgot about her, because she left the zeitgeist. Yeah. But I stumbled upon this story in The Hollywood Reporter um, by Seth Abram- Abramovich called Searching for Shelly Duvall. And it goes, he goes down to Texas and talks to her. And it's really interesting and sad and, like, okay, because she's, like, she's fine. Yeah. But it's a really interesting story about this woman who was, like, everywhere and is in these really big movies. 
and then it's just is is gone. She just left it all behind. So it's called Searching for Shelley Duvall um, in the Hollywood Reporter. Interesting right. story. Very good. I will. I will read that. Number two for me, um, HBO Max, Judas and the Black Messiah. You yep. got to fucking watch this shit. Um, that was again, one of my six last week. and yeah, yeah, and I hadn't watched it yet, and I watched it, and it is, first of all, it's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, just I mean, start to finish, it's well-written, mm-hmm. it's well-performed, All it's got a, 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 a crackerjack uh, cast supporting cast. Yeah. Everything's really good. And, you know, it, you know, I would say that they miss a few things in terms of sort of, and, and, and this is just storytelling, you can't make a four-hour fucking movie because you don't really hear him, you don't hear Fred Hampton. The thing about Fred Hampton is that he was so goddamn uh, charismatic. Mm-hmm. And was such an amazing speaker that you don't really get to see a lot of that because they just had to jump to it. Yeah. But in terms of sort of the power of policing in the country, the power of that time and the civil rights movement, I think it's uh, I think it's fascinating and really well done. So. Yeah, yeah, it was. Really, I actually watched it twice because it was yeah. so good. It was just so good. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, definitely. The next thing, and I think this is on HBO Max as well. It came out the 19th of February. I have not watched it at the time of this recording, but I'll be watching it tonight. Nomadland with Francis is McDormand. That yeah. I thought that was Hulu. Oh, it is Hulu. You're right. You're right. It's yeah, because uh, if you. it was HBO Max, I could watch it, but I can't watch it because I'm not paying for fucking Hulu. I'm not it, for one movie. It's Hulu. Um, it's been getting, it's like up, already nominated for several Golden Globes. There's Best Picture Buzz. Um, Best actress, best director, but like it's meant to be really, really good. I've got a friend who watched it the other day, um, loved it. So, yeah, rock and roll. And then my third thing is uh, it's on Netflix. Um, I loved the first two seasons. I don't know if you did. Um, I just love Bill Pullman in his old man best, The Sinner, season three. Have you watched any of The Sinner? I never even heard of it. Oh my god, it's such a good he plays he's not Columbo, you know, but he plays basically it's like the first season is Jennifer Beale murders somebody and he's sort of this troubled homicide detective and he gets in and he realizes there's way more to the story than just sort of the cut and dry she murdered this person. Mm-hmm. So the entire series is him uncovering what the fuck is actually going on? And it's way more complicated and much more, you know. Second season stars Carrie Coon as the mother of, he, well, the, the, the murder, it always starts with a thing, is this, like, 11-year-old boy murders his mother. Mm. and. Fun. And so Bill Pullman, cuts, you know, his character comes in, and he's and he's old and sort of like got a bad sciatica, and he's and he's got you know he's insomniac, all this kind of good shit. He's fucked up, dude. And it turns out that Carrie Coon is his actual mother, and she leads a fucking religious cult, and it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Wow. This one is uh, the, this young guy ends up getting in a car with his buddy from college. Um, they wreck. And the guy gets away, you know, he, he's got some injuries, but the other guy goes through the windshield and, and dies. But Bill Pullman gets called in and realizes the guy went through the windshield, but died. It like took him an hour to bleed out before the other guy called mm. 911. 
So he waited until the guy was dead before he called 911. So now he's trying to figure this shit out. It is really good. I love The Sinner. I think it's great TV. And does, I just love Bill Pullman. How does this fit in with um, his and Ted's Excellent Adventures? Um, uh, it, it, well, is it part of canon? Yeah, yeah. There's okay. a, yeah, there's a, you know, it's the dark side part of it. Oh, cool. Okay. Right on. You're just a comedy genius, aren't you? <laughs> Not according to Twitter. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.